We are so blessed. We are so blessed. Um, Pastor Harold is with his family in Miami celebrating little Miss Marley Ray's birthday. So, here I am. Uh, I, I paid these people down here just in case you're wondering. Um, but, you know, this is a really familiar passage, and we t- probably tend to skim over it, and I know that I do. I'm very guilty sometimes going, oh, I've read that a hundred times. I know that. I got it. And we don't read it deeply and meditate on God's Word. So I'm going to invite us to look at this passage again tonight with fresh eyes and with open hearts to God's message for us. First of all, we see this as an ordinary night. You know, everything's just kind of going along like they normally do. And I know some of you are saying, Ellen, normal is a setting on the dryer, but that's fine. It, it's, it's an ordinary time. I mean, the, the babies are born all the time. Shepherds watch their flocks all the time. But angels appearing in the sky and singing, not a typical occurrence. An ordinary night meant that things were just the same as they were the night before and the night before that. And we were realizing that these ordinary people were, were just doing their jobs. The innkeeper, the census taker, the shepherds, they were just doing their jobs. And ordinary really means to be normal with no outstanding characteristics or special features. It was a regular old night. And we tend to enjoy ordinary things, don't we? Because we all have our routines. We all have things that we're comfortable with with a pattern in our days. At least that's the way I am. They, of course, they always say keep children and animals on a schedule. Well, I may fall in one of those categories. I'm not sure. But keep them on a schedule and, and you, you have an expectation. So this night became extraordinary. So the first point I want to mention is Jesus comes into our lives at ordinary times. In our minds, we might think these magical times when Jesus appears to us, but he journeys with us in our ordinary days, in our schedules, in our routines. Do we expect Jesus to come in some sort of spectacular way? like on a cloud or flying through the sky or on a spaceship or on uh, the steed of horses. We get the spirit of Jesus all the time in our ordinary mundane parts of life. He is with us in the times of routine. I wonder what would happen if we looked for Jesus in our ordinary times in our regular activities. The shepherds did not expect to see the Savior of the world that night. They were just doing their thing, watching the sheep, making sure no wolves or other predators came in. They were just doing their job. It was a regular old night. We might find Jesus right where we least expect him. Right where we least expect him, we might find him. Jesus comes into our lives at ordinary times, and when we experience Jesus there, 
it becomes extraordinary. The arrival of Jesus just changed their whole evening into an extraordinary way, but their whole lives too, because their life was never going to be the same again, right? They had witnessed something that most of us don't see. What they saw and heard from the angel or the heavenly host redirected their evening. They went to see what God had done. And Jesus shows up in ordinary days and times. And the experience becomes extraordinary. You know, we study and we read and we learn, but the whole ordinary becomes extraordinary to see that God sent the Savior of the world in the form of a baby human. Who could think of this? No one but God. There is nothing mundane or blasé about it. There was a baby that came and it was magical and it was amazing and it was extraordinary. We call this the incarnation of how God came in the form of a male baby boy. So if you haven't got my first point, I'll say it again. Jesus shows up in ordinary days and times, and then it becomes extraordinary. The second thing I noticed here is largely in verse 9 of this um, passage from Luke 2, but I'm going to show you my favorite way of telling the story. Granted, the children were awesome, not taken away from them. If you would show this video clip. Y'all probably get that from me every single year, right? Because I love peanuts, and I do love the way that Charles Schultz brings in theology to his cartoon characters. And, you know, the best part of this cartoon to me is we see Charlie Brown wrestling with what the meaning of Christmas is. Because I'm sure all of us have had questions at times. So right there in in verse 9, when it says the angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. They were, again, just shepherds doing their regular routine. And here they see this army of the Lord's angels. And God's glory is everywhere. I would be beyond afraid. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that we can call that, but we would be paralyzed by that type of event. And I know that we've had other instances that in Scripture, like Gabriel, when uh, appearing to Zechariah and saying that Elizabeth was going to have a baby at her age. And there was these questioning moments with Gabriel, so he couldn't quite get it straight in his head. And Zechariah lost his voice until the baby came. I'm sure fear was on the top of his list. Of course, you know, if you're in the temple and you're by yourself and you're supposed to be by yourself and then somebody appears, a little scary. But again, these shepherds and angels, back to point one, it's ordinary. It was an ordinary night. And we all experience events that create fear in us. Um... It could be a diagnosis you don't want to hear. It could be a financial complication. It could be the loss of a loved one. 
It could be any kind of fear or uncertainty in your life, but it feels real to us, right? And in our lives, we sometimes don't recognize our fear and call it what it is. But I think once we've said it, once we've called out what it is that scares us and asked the Lord to help us, it gets better. Even if there's not a resolution right then, it gets better because you've said it. You go, really, God, I'm afraid of this diagnosis. Or I'm afraid I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Or I'm afraid I don't know what I'm going to do without this person in my life. All of these things can create this fear. And fear is fear. But the good news in this case is the angel said for them not to be afraid. But it was a natural response to something out of the ordinary. Fear doesn't need to control us. The shepherds could have just sat down and said, well, we're done. We don't know what to do now. And they could have just stayed in their field. They could have just continued to watch the sheep and ignored the event. But instead, they went with the angel's announcement and they made the trek to see the Savior of the world. The shepherds had great fear, but the angels tell them to not be afraid and that they are bringing news of great joy. Now, did you notice in the video that Linus drops his blanket when he talks about fear? If you would show the picture, there he is. He has left the blanket. His security blanket. It's everywhere with Linus, right? And so he lets go of it when he's talking about the joy of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? In a cartoon, we get this kind of theology. It makes me really happy. point is this. The shepherds were told to trade the great fear for great joy. Linus traded his fear for joy at this point. And sometimes joy comes with a bit of a price tag. For him, he put down his cherished blanket. It becomes a choice. It's not a result of passiveness or hesitancy or inactivity. Fear can completely paralyze us and cause us to retreat. But the shepherds chose to push through that fear and receive the joy that the angels promised. Joy comes when we choose to trust God in spite of our fear. Joy comes when we decide to believe God and to stand in the hope of God's faithfulness to us rather than choose the anxiety and apprehension of the circumstances. I know you've probably heard that uh, saying that there are, do not be afraid or do not fear is in the Bible 365 times, so that's one time for every day of the year, right? Okay, well, then we've got a whole year's worth of do not be afraid, a do not fear. And in this case, we, we choose to believe God who took the form of a baby 
to embody the name Emmanuel, God with us, that we can receive the ultimate joy of the Lord instead of fear. Maybe, just maybe, this would fuel our willingness to let go of anger or disappointment or hurt or sorrow because Jesus has moved into our lives. Jesus came in. The world is a baby, but his presence was immediate. Y'all probably heard me say this uh, many times because I bring it in every chance I get. But then the, the message translation, John 1, 14, my favorite verse. It says, the, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes. The one-of-a-kind glory like father, like son. Generous inside and out. True from start to finish. I love that verse. I love it. Because it says to me that, that God is in my neighborhood. He's in my neighborhood and he's in all of your neighborhoods. And because he's moved in, we can choose joy. It is offered to us with great generosity from the Father, and it is the absolute good news of Jesus Christ that he has moved into my neighborhood. So point two is trade great fear for great joy. Now maybe you heard my sermon a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about the Hebrews wanting a king. And we went through all these years and decades of challenges of trying to find an earthly king for the people of Israel to meet the demand of what they wanted, but they they didn't know what they wanted. But this wasn't the king that they expected. They expected a king to come in with pomp and circumstance and all of the extravagance. But not the humble beginnings of this baby. You know, we use the term stable or in or whatever we kind of have in our mind of where Jesus came into the world. But most likely he was born in a home where they kept animals at that time to protect them from the elements, from predators. Because animals were so valuable to people at that point in time, they had no other way to keep them safe. But in this particular space, however you imagine it, there is a manger. And the manger is not just a bed of hay, but it is a feeding trough. Now, who here took French in high school or college? Oh, there's a few hands. I had four years of it. Can't speak a word. (laughs) Cannot do it. But I do remember this word. And I know why I remember this word. Manger. To eat. Yes, that is is a good word to remember. Um, How interesting is it that Mary placed her newborn in a manger that was for feeding, right? The son, who would later be called 
the bread of life. The son who would take bread and bless it and feed 5,000 plus people. The son who would offer bread to his closest friends after he gave thanks to the father. The son who would again be seen and recognized after the resurrection when he broke bread with others. Jesus, the bread of life that doesn't run out. There is always plenty. There's always plenty. Here's an even more interesting fact. The name Bethlehem means house of bread. Pretty important. We all need an extra measure of Jesus, the true bread of life. And we have so many blessings, don't we? This Advent, I think it's important to step back and remember where we get our blessings. Our meals and our homes and our loved ones. They all come from God who moved into our neighborhood to show us how to live and to love. These blessings are too great for us to really wrap our head around. And I really think about that today with these people who have lost everything overnight but don't have a roof over their head and may have lost a family member or more. And how blessed we are. How blessed we are. But if we are willing to let Jesus permeate our souls and our hearts and our minds and capture every thought or word or action before they become realized, then we have a chance to change and become more like Jesus. The true bread of life the life-giving source of nourishment. So point three is, Jesus is the only bread of life. Take, eat, and be filled. Will you pray with me? Oh Lord, you are all we need. You nourish us, you cover us with your wings. You provide for all we need. How blessed we are. Help us to take and receive all that you offer to us. In Jesus' name, amen.